Well, I'm with Brian and Bonnie Pugh. They are of the Union Movement. And uh, guys, it's such a pleasure to connect with other people who are like-minded, doing work in this area, and not just that, but fellow Canadians. So welcome to the podcast. It's so good to have you guys here. Oh, thanks so much for having us, man. It's a joy to be here. Yeah, we've been happy to connect with you. Yeah, well, I mean, we were talking before we hit record. It's, it's always nice when you do connect with other people who are doing the same kind of work because we're talking about sexuality and purity and, you know, not the most mainstream subjects in the world. And, uh, and so anytime you meet somebody who's, you know, trying to trumpet the same message, uh, it's always nice to connect. So, um, I mean, I have so many different questions that I want to ask you guys. You cover a lot of different areas in this spectrum. Uh, but just to start us off, uh, for the listeners, maybe give us a little bit of your story. Who are you guys and uh, what's been your journey? You don't just do the union, but you also pastor a church. Um, and so how did, you, how did you get to where you guys are today? Tell us a little bit about your story. Yeah, well, um, we've, been, we've been married now for, is it 12 years? 12 years we've been married now and um you guys got married when you were about 12 then i suppose yeah exactly yeah yeah Yeah. he almost feels that way like we were 21 but it's just like man who let us get married you know (laughs) (laughs) you look back at our wedding pictures and wedding video yeah Yeah. i thought we knew what we were getting into (laughs) yeah and um so as, as far as like how we got into you know having a passion for the subject or um you know how did we get into um, wanting to communicate um, God's design for sexuality and and everything, it started very very early for us because um, we've we've kind of been we were friends for you know I guess I'm trying to couple years couple yeah. years before <laughs> forgetful I guess in my old age at 34, <laughs> um, but we were friends and we were in a discipleship school together that was run through our church and um, um, and my story is a little bit different than Bonnie's and I came in, I came to Christ fairly late. I came to Christ in 2003 and um, I had just kind of been living the full, you know, the full party, you know, lifestyle. And I was really into sports and pretty athletic. And so I was kind of that typical jock partier guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, one of the, one of the key things in my life is I had really kind of given myself over to, you know, what the world kind of says um, life is supposed to be about when it comes to your sexuality, especially as a young man. Um, and so I carried all of that into, um, you know, as I came to Christ and I'm, I'm now trying to figure out what it means to be a, a Jesus person and a Christ follower. Um, and, uh, I would say that when we were in discipleship school together, we, um, we had a, uh, he's a friend of ours now, this man's name, Jim Anderson came and did a week worth of teaching with us. And, um, and it was, it was so crazy, man. Like I remember him, he was writing on the whiteboard and he was just kind of this rabbit trail preacher. Like it's just like, it's so hard to take notes with, right? Like he's just connecting things all over the place. But I just saw him writing on the whiteboard. He was writing my life because he was talking about how, um, how the enemy is using sexuality and pornography and, and just this, this general cultural sexual perversion uh, to destroy the image of God and humanity. Um, and, and it's like, as I saw my story or my life being written across that whiteboard, I knew like, man, I want to give my life to, uh, to help people find the freedom that, that I'm finding right now in this moment. Cause I was, I was just getting wrecked in this, in this week, you know, God was just doing so much work, um, in my heart and, Mm -hmm. and changing my perspective on, on shame, on guilt, on all this stuff that I was carrying. And, 
Um, and so that's just been a real deep burden very early on in our heart to, uh, to do the same uh, that's been done for us. So let's leave wow. so that's my story. <laughs> how, how old were you, Brian, when that happened? Uh, I guess I was 20... Oh, you were 19? 19. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness, I am getting forgetful. I was 19. Thankful for my wife who remembers how old I was when stuff happens. <laughs> yeah, wow. no, I was, yeah, I was 19. Yeah, I was 19. Got it. Okay, and then Bonnie, how about for you? Am what I... Was like? What, what was yeah. your journey like? Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, so I... So I grew up... Uh, going to church, part of a Christian family. Um, but I also, I didn't necessarily dive headfirst into a life of um, what we say of like sexual impurity or immorality or anything like that. But rather I, I had a lot of key friendships in my life where I saw confusion in them and I saw brokenness in them. And I would, and I just started young having a lot of questions about like, God, what, like, what is this what is this command of holiness that you expect of us um and and so it was actually it was the same teacher uh jim anderson who it was it was like okay not only is he describing what i see in the old testament because i you know as a as a young christian that i was reading the old testament and seeing all this language about um like God would be saying, you're committing adultery. And I'm like, why are you using sexual, like, why are you using language of sexual immorality to talk about spirituality? Like, so I had these question marks and no one had ever really explained that. And here comes this teacher and he shows this connection and that, um, that our sexuality really is linked to an issue of worshiping God, like mm -hmm. that God has an opinion about this part of our life and that he knows us better than we know ourselves and he knows how we function best. And so we put these boundaries around us. And if we, if we push him off, we move into a place of destruction anyway. So it kind of, it gave me like this sense of understanding, but then also just great compassion seeing like this could, the hope of Jesus could literally restore nations. Mm -hmm and and bring back kind of these family units of wholeness so yeah same thing yeah around 1920 it was like oh man i want to let me do this so we started in uh, it, working with like youth or young adults and people you know hey do you want to share something and often we would feel called to talk about about you know how we're handling relationships how we're handling our sexuality and so that was all through our 20s we were pretty vocal about that kind of stuff mm -hmm. and then obviously we were married and um, working with their young adults at our church. And then uh, it was two years ago, we felt called like, okay, I think it's time to actually launch. And we called it the union movement as a chance to be able to do it more with more hours of our week, able to dedicate to the message. So. Wow. Yeah. Come yeah. on. That's amazing. Well, uh, we're going to get into that for sure. Cause I want to hear more about the union, how it started and what you guys are all about. Uh, I'm curious, did you guys have a, was there a personal part of this story? Did you guys have to figure out how to get free on your own or was it a pretty smooth transition kind of once you figured out, you know, what was right, what was wrong, what was going to be good for you? You had that sorted and then you could help other people. Like what did that journey look like on a personal level? Yeah, I think, I think for myself, like, um, you know, part of my story is that like I was exposed to pornography at a really young age. So uh, like five years old, I, I was exposed to, you know, adult magazines that I'd found at a family member's house with uh, some of my cousins and stuff like that. We stumbled across it, but it, 
you know, you think at a five years old, it's a very um, formative part of your life. Um, you're starting to figure out, um, you know, some of your core convictions, you know what I mean? And in, in some ways, and I think like values are being established and, and, and I don't know how to, how to really put words around it, but I, or to really just, I don't know if it's the right words to put, to put to it, but it just felt like at that moment, a door was open in my life and something was clearly established about, um, about who a woman was and the value of a woman and, and why, and why they really existed. And so I kind of grew up, like I was saying with that, that lifestyle as a young man, um, just using women to meet my own selfish desires and my own sexual desires. And, um, you know, and then as, a as I come to Christ, I'm now trying to figure out how to, um, how to walk in self-government and walk in, in honor and actually, you know, walk in consistent freedom. And, um, one of the things that just changed my life was this one statement that said, when you understand, um, the heart of a woman and why, and what, and why God has made, um, you know, a woman to be made for safety, security, permanence, and commitment, you know, like when you understand how a daughter's heart functions, that'll change your battle for purity. Wow. And it changed, it did something in me that, that, that I think a lot of times we, we neglect when we're talking about the subject, especially to men, we're saying that like, okay, just bounce your eyes. You know, don't lust, you know, don't flee youthful lust and just don't be looking and, you know, get your snap band on or get your purity band on. And, and that's, that's all great. I think that's really good, but we have to, and we have to be, appeal to men's desire and, and innate design to protect. And, and I think that's what that did for me is I saw that, wow, women are being exploited within our culture and being made um, to be one dimensional, that they're only about sexuality. Mm. And that, and that's, that's the message of the culture. And I think when that, that shifted for me in that moment, when I realized, wow, actually the culture has been lying to me about who a woman is and their value. Um, and I'm meant to be a protector rather than a predator. And I think that that started a journey in my life that, that has kept me um, walking on, on a pathway of, of purity and um, realizing that I'm made to protect and I'm not made to um, just use people or use women to get um, what I might desire in a moment, you know? So. Wow. Wow. That's really good. Bon Bonnie, I will say it's a journey. I will say it's a journey and a process, you know, right. But I'm thankful I've been, been able to walk in freedom for as long as I have. So. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Yep. And Bonnie, how about for you? What was that? What was it like on your side? Yeah. Well, I think that, um, what Brian's saying there about this, this predominant lie that comes to women that says like, you need to always have your game on. Like we see mm. it in advertising, we see it in entertainment. And I mean, even if I just go on Instagram and look, if I see any pictures of just celebrities, it's like this constant, like you have to always be posing, like always look ready. And so I think without even really, I mean, yeah, like I grew up in the church and had a good, you know, had a good community around me. And yet there's this, like this cultural pressure on me as a female to conform, like to, with the thought, if you want a man to love you, if you want a man to stay, you're going to need to catch his eye and keep his eye. Hmm. So, so it's not that I even necessarily gave myself, you know, to um, this really seductive persona or anything like that, but within my heart were these roots of insecurity based on how sexual am I and how like, I don't, oh, what if I don't know how to flirt? What if I 
you know, like kind of, what if I can't keep his attention because I want a relationship. I want, like Brian was saying, I want a permanent relationship one day. And so how can I get that? And the culture just says, put all your eggs in the basket of your sexuality. Like that's where you need wow. to focus. So when I think once that was broken, then I realized like, whoa, I can be free here to have, to be more like a sister and to be, you know, to some, to be a sister, to others, to be a daughter, to others, to be, to move into that mother role. I realized like, I'm, this is far more uh, multidimensional than just always focusing on, you know, what if I get cellulite? What if I, you know, like all these things that as you age, it's like, this is a reality. What if, what if I start to wrinkle? What if I get gray hair? It's like, yes, you will, you will. Um, but you're still valuable. And, and a godly man is going to love you and stay with you um, because, of, because of covenant and because of real love. So, wow. so that, was really, um, that was really transforming for me personally. But then holding on to that um, and fighting for that in a culture that really pushes uh, women to be comparing and insecure all the time. So mm -hmm. that's something I've, yeah, I would, and again, I would say it was a process and then now it's like, there's been victory and I can hold on to yeah. that place wow. of mindset. Yeah. Oh, this is so rich. Okay. I have so many questions now after everything you guys just shared. It's so good. <laughs> um, but I, I want to hunger down on that a little bit more, Bonnie, because I think um, for the women who are listening, but um, obviously like, I mean, what I do caters to a male audience Right. It can be really insightful to hear about just the female side of this because um, I know a lot of guys who come to me are saying, I feel bad. I feel bad that I'm, that I'm looking at women the way I'm looking um, and they know that they shouldn't, but maybe they don't know how or whatever. Yeah. And obviously that's why we're in this um, area in the first place. We want to help guys with it. But can you talk a little bit more about that? Like what, what actually communicates this message that, you know, as a girl, you have to keep a man's attention and um what what kind of is what's conveying that responsibility in the first place and then i guess on the other side you you said you've managed to work through it so what does it look like to work through those insecurities yeah okay so the first side of what is pushing this agenda <laughs> this agenda to turn women into into a one-dimensional being um i would say that ultimately it would be the kingdom of darkness it would be the enemy yeah um who hates the multi-dimensional nature of men and women mm. sexuality is such a powerful thing mm -hmm. um god knows it but the enemy knows it as well and if god says like here let's keep that powerful thing in this place with boundaries where we'll say you like kind of freely enjoy yourself in this really strong castle called covenant um that can contain the power of sexuality in in the sense of this is a place where him and the both male and female have said you forever i'm not just letting my sexuality run wild but i'm directing my sexual attention to you one person but if we can but if we break that apart and say no no no, just whatever do whatever you want and then we start to make people be one-dimensional which is i think what so much advertising has done so much entertainment has done and then so much and then just culture around us conversation has done because i mean it is it is meant to be this like awesome pleasurable euphoric experience but when we start to worship that experience um then it starts to control us hmm. so uh, um so it puts women in this place of slavery to a pressure to like to just conform to be what the 
and and it it's crazy is when you look throughout history it's different for different cultures and different times right like you know during one era it's like you if you're really chubby, that's like, man, that is in, you know, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> but in other, and then in some nations, it's like, okay, if you, if you're going to be beautiful, you have to have a really tiny feet. So then they would bind women's feet and in order to make them desirable. And, or in some tribes, they would stretch out their necks with rings. It's like, what are we doing to women? Like we're con almost contorting their physical being to be something for someone. So, wow. um, Maybe I think, I mean, we have five sons and I love to see like they're all pre-puberty right now. And I love to see the purity of their desire to protect and even their desire to protect me as a female. And I think for the men listening, if we could pull, like kind of bring them back to a younger day mm. before they, you know, before they had sexual desires that would kind of like confuse them and in, intoxicate them sometimes. And just like remind them who they were meant to be when they were a little boy and they were like, I am a superhero. I am the knight. I am like, I, I want to play that role. Like Brian was saying, that design of a protector. Yeah. Um, I think if we, I'd love to just call that out in men and just say like, remember that these women are not one dimensional. Like they have dreams and they, they cry at night and they, you know, like they're people that they're like your sister. They're like your mom. They're like your aunt. They're like your cousin. They're real. You know, um, wow. I think if we, yeah, pull men back to that place, I think we'll do better. That's really good. Really powerful. Um, and you can, I mean, Brian, you can chime in here too. What, what's the other side of this, like working through, um, the insecurities. I think, I think the one thing that we share in common for sure is that value for, um, the, not the superficial answers, right? It can't be just a, a quick thing, a quick fix here or there, or a quick behavioral change. You have to resolve things on a deeper internal level. Um, totally. So what does that look, what does that look like for, I mean, you, Bonnie, you're talking about working through the insecurities that uh, yeah. every woman is probably going through. Um, and Brian, obviously there's a male component to this as well, having to work through some of your heart stuff. So what has that been like for you guys? Yeah, well, I think from a, from a male perspective, at least I, I don't want to generalize it because I know everybody's story is so different and, you know, everybody has a different upbringing and different experiences. Um, but I know for me, like, um, I, I, str I struggle with insecurity and even a self-value um, issue, I guess. I don't know if that's the appropriate word, but like self-image and it's the weirdest thing. Like I, you would think that I was the most confident guy and I was the kind of life of the party kind of out, really outgoing guy. And yet I was so insecure and so needing, um, you know, I would, I could speak to it just with some of my, my family dynamics, like just a need of affirmation. And it's just like sexual experience became that affirmation for me. That became that type of like valuing, um, or me to have confidence and value in who I was, you know what I mean? Like it was, it kind of created, um, just an alternate reality from, for myself, you know, to feel like, Hey, like I was actually, um, I wasn't so insecure, I guess is the bottom line. Yeah. But, um, and, and I think like, you know, looking at it from a faith perspective and how, and what, and what started to happen in my life, like hearing the fact that like, you just think about Jesus, like he, he starts his ministry, he's baptized. And the first things that he's hears from heaven is a voice of the father saying, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. He hasn't really done anything yet. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
the, the, the affirming word of, of the father was, you're my son and I'm well pleased with you. And I think as that reality started to sink deeper and deeper into my heart that like I was, I was loved with an everlasting love. I was loved with, um, yeah, just, um, a love and a, and a, or how do I want to say that? Um, I was loved so much more than this one experience, um, of pornography or whatever was going to give me. Like there was, there was so much more that God had for me. And, it, and as that love just started to, um, heal my heart and, and work through my life, it just, um, it started to bring things into proper perspective and a proper priority and, and order, you know? So. Wow. Almost like your heart wasn't so hungry because yeah. you were being filled by yeah. by the Lord. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's that's the one thing too. Because guys, you know, just to speak to it from a marriage standpoint, is like guys think like, hey, we're gonna get married and it's gonna be sex all the time. This <laughs> is like it's, that's not true. Like you're laughing right now because you know, right? Like, yeah, um, you know. But like, there's so many guys that are just thinking, oh man, my porn problem is gonna go away when I get married because I have sex all the time. It's like, well, dude, if you don't learn self-government and self-control and learn that there's, there's um, really, there's a primary source that's going to meet your needs in a strong uh, relational, emotional connection with God, um, that, that that has to be taking place. It's like there's some needs in your life that only God can meet. And, and if you don't, and if you don't allow that to really be settled in you, um, you're, you're going to be putting pressure on your wife to be something that she's not and to meet needs that she was never designed to. Wow. And when she fails you, you run to porn or you run to something else. You run to a, an adulterous re relationship. And, um, and so I think that was just huge for me was mm -hmm. um, really connecting with God in a strong relational um, and uh, in a strong relational way, but really like a heart connection with him. Um, where his love could really flow in and through me. So, wow, good for you, man. I mean, that's you're not hearing a lot of guys talking about that these days because I think the whole idea of being in an emotional connection with anyone, let alone God, is kind of it's a little bit icky. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. So necessary, isn't it, for to be truly healthy and and truly fulfilled in your other relationships with humans? You have to have that connection with God first, where you're getting your needs properly met. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I think like you think about King David, like, you know, for some of us who may not be familiar with the story, like here, he's the king of Israel and he's waking up later in the day, you know, like he should be, it's like coming into the evening time and he's getting out of bed is what the scriptures say. Like he's waking up and he walks out onto the roof of, um, within this kingdom, obviously. And he looks out and he sees this woman Bathsheba and it's his uh one of his soldiers uriah it's his wife and she's having a bath and it's like it was kind of like a cultural no-no that like you don't go out onto the roof during those times and yet david knew what he was doing and i think like it was the time when he was supposed to be out fighting a battle and here he is he's depressed he's discouraged whatever has happened he's not where he's supposed to be and and instead of allowing um that that pain that was in his heart or whatever was going on in that time to really be brought to God, he ran to sexual experience and that, that opened up a whole world of, of pain and, um, and uh, really complicated life in a, in a way that was just not meant to be in so many ways. But, um, but I think like, I just imagine like what would be different if David, instead of running to that, that sexual experience, if David took that pain or that, that sadness or that depression or whatever, and ran to the safe place 
uh, the, the arms of a loving heavenly father um, who could take those burdens off. And I think, um, you know, a lot of guys say like, they're not emotional, you know what I mean? And I go like, well, we're, we're just not like women, you know what I mean? But we're emotional, right? Yeah. Like we're, we're just not the same as, as our sisters and our wives, but um, we have to, we have to relate to God in, in an, emotion, an emotional way and have a very strong understanding of our emotional health. So that's really good. Really good. Um, what does it look like for you guys in marriage? So you, you know, you had these kind of personal journeys working through some of the, the root issues. Obviously you guys were young when you found this stuff in the first place, which is a blessing. You also got married young. So I'm sure there would have been a working out both, you know, individually and as you guys are starting your married life. Sure. Now I have five, five sons. I know you had five kids. I didn't realize they're all boys. So that's amazing. Oh, yeah. Um, and they very much boys. Yeah. <laughs> very much boys. I believe it. So, yeah. um, so what does it look like now? Married, you guys have been married uh, quite a while now. Um, and obviously this isn't, it's not like a one and done deal, is it? Like you, obviously you, you have those moments where you really do resolve some things at a root level, but you're kind of working it out as you go on. Um, so I'm just curious, what does it look like to have um, sexual purity, if I can put it that way, in your marriage? Because usually we think sexual purity just means you don't have sex before you get married. Um, but that's really like phase one of it, isn't it? And once you do get yeah. married, there's a whole other phase to it. Um, so what, what does that look like? Where have you guys had to apply that? And what are some of the, I don't know, what are some of the, the things you're learning, the principles or the tools or you know, anything along those lines? Yeah, that's so, that's so good. I like the way you say it. There's phase one and then there's phase two. And in yeah. the lessons you learn in phase one, you absolutely have to apply in the future. Yeah. You know, yeah. So all you single folk, don't, don't you worry. That muscle of self-control that you are working so hard on, you will use it. <laughs> you yeah. will need it. Yeah. Um, so I would say, I mean, I think there's practical boundaries that we've applied to our life of just like, we're not going to put ourselves in situations where we're going to need to like make you know, impulsive decisions of, you know, of like, oh, is this friendship safe with this member of the opposite sex? Or, you know, we're going to set boundaries around. Um, so that's one thing we, that's something practical we do is like, we're just not going to hang out one-on-one -on -one mm -hmm. with someone of the opposite sex, you know, like it, yeah. not because we don't trust ourselves or trust the other person, but it's just like, let's just eliminate that as an option, as a yeah. temptation, as a, even as a sense of um, creating tension within this authentic friendship that's we're just not going to go there mm -hmm. um, so there's practical boundaries that way also you know sharing sharing our all of our online passwords kind of like whatever i have access to you would freely have access to my you know yeah we share that yeah that's good and because and like one thing and, and obviously this is just a conviction for us like i'm not gonna you know um superimpose it onto somebody else's life and say this is a must but like one of the things that that we do i would say nine times out of ten if i'm emailing somebody i'll cc bonnie in it or if i had a conversation with um with you know a, a young lady or or just an, another woman i would be i would like i would let bonnie know hey i had a conversation with so and so this is what we talked about um mm -hmm. and we're able to do that now because we've we've drawn some pretty strong lines from the get-go but like that that we are gonna be making the same types of decisions that we would in each other's presence as we would in each other's absence. Mm -hmm. um, and that was actually, wow. that's actually, that's actually part of my vows that I said to Bonnie when we got married is that I would purpose to live as somebody or live the same way as I would in her presence as I would in her absence. Wow. And so, um, yeah. So I think that's, that's really important is just that there's marriage. There's no, there's no secrets and there's no shame too with having to bring something up or right. having to, 
Um, you know, and that's, that's risky. That requires vulnerability and that requires mm -hmm. um, taking the armor off a little bit, you know what yeah. I mean? And not putting your walls up. Like, um, you know, if, yeah, in times where we've had to have maybe some, some very direct conversations that, that we're not, we're always going to believe the best of each other's intentions. And, um, mm -hmm. and uh, I'm speaking kind of vaguely, <laughs> but well, I don't, don't want to read into it. <laughs> yeah. nice. Even in that way, like, I think that couples need to be able to have that intimacy, not just, it's not, so the word intimacy, I know we sometimes use almost as though that means sex, but intimacy has more to do with nothing in between us. Right. Um, and mm. so there's physical intimacy, but then there's also that emotional or psychological intimacy. And so um, it's vulnerable because there are moments where you might feel it. What if you feel attracted to somebody who's not your spouse? Mm -hmm. That's not the same thing as committing adultery. What are you going to do? Like, how do you, how do you, you're going to have to talk about that or, you know, or say, you know, I think we've had times where I've had to say, I'm just not feeling super safe with this person. Just could you keep an eye out for that? Or I feel like, you know, maybe I feel like they might be attracted to me. Can you just watch over that with me? So like kind of having that dialogue that protects your covenant with one mm. another. I think that's really important. So those are some of the practical things we do to protect our relationship and then also kind of holding on to what the ground we've taken in individually. So for me, yeah. um, if I'm dealing with a lot of that external pressure that the world puts on of like, look like this, act like this, you know, perform, I think specifically even as I've you know, I, I know other women re would relate to this as you go through pregnancy or then mm -hmm. having a newborn, it's like your body changes and it's like, I don't feel so hot right now. I don't feel attractive, right? Like, what am I going to do with those insecurities? Am I going to talk, like kind of yield that to my husband and hopefully who are, hopefully all the husbands are going to be places of compassion and affirmation and not like, well, I guess you should just start jogging. You know, mm -hmm. that'll make it better. It's like, no, 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 that's not the right thing. To yeah. Say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, so, so individually then also, or yeah, individually keeping the, um, keeping those battles won, mm -hmm. keeping yeah. fighting those same battles and, and yeah. then Brian doing the same thing with areas of, of temptation or lust of, or, even or for both of us like last night you know waking up and saying like oh man i just had the worst dream you know mm -hmm. like oh man that was that made me feel so guilt or like so shameful it was such a messed up dream maybe i won't tell you all the details of what happened but can you pray for me mm -hmm. right like that's another yeah. way of keeping um, yeah yeah guarding over yeah your marriage i think for for men too like it's important to to remember too that like the road that we're called to walk is a road of suffering at times like this isn't something we want to talk about like we we don't want to talk about like hey it being hard or being challenging or um but like you know i, I just think you know in ephesians it talks about how as men we're called to love our wives as christ loved the church and gave himself up for her so wow. like there was this this laying down of somebody's of one's life in order like just like jesus did for the church i'm called um, and, and men and husbands are called to lay down their lives for their wives um, just in the same way. So it means that there's going to have to be a death to self at times. It means that you're going to have to, like, I just think like there's the amount of times that Bonnie has been pregnant, you know, like in our marriage, <laughs> it's been pretty frequent, you know what I mean? And it's like, um, you know, and so like, there, there's obviously the, the huge 
amazing blessing that's a part of that but also like um just to be very honest like there's, the cost. there's a cost that comes to that like the not like not being you know like even like bonnie's saying not feeling super attractive not feeling like wow i'm even in the mood actually i feel nauseous is what i feel right now you know <laughs> and so it's like what am, what am i gonna do am i am i gonna get mad you know what I mean? Am I going to like, am I going to try to guilt her into this or I'm going to look myself in the mirror and be like, dude, you're going to be okay. And I'm going to have to remember that, you know, like, again, this is a Jim Anderson, a Jim Anderson quote, but he just referred to a woman's heart being like a flower. You give it, you give it water, you give it sunlight, it's going to open up to you. And mm -hmm. so wow. like, I have to realize that as you um, maybe as you access something that's not maybe, um, well, I just think if you access that, maybe that 20 or that 10% of who you are, like I, I'm, I'm not strong in words of affirmation. I'm not strong at, um, in, in some of the ways that maybe Bonnie's love languages would be. Um, if I can access those and, and, and access that 20% of who I'm not, I will get really that, that 80% that, that come back to me and meet the needs that I do have. And yeah. meet really what I'm, what I'm, what I'm longing for, and and does that make sense? I feel like I kind of oh, that's so good. I I feel like if anybody's listening who's married and in leadership, they should go back and listen to the last three to four minutes because that was like a masterclass in boundaries and managing each other's hearts. I think that was really good, and it it's true, isn't it? Like when you're when you're in ministry, which is not something everyone's going to be able to relate to, but sure. uh, but you guys are obviously running a church in addition to the union, yeah. Uh, which which I want to start asking you guys about. But um, you do have to be really, really careful because even the nature of ministry, it's a, it's a very open-hearted experience. Like you, part of leading people in their spiritual life is there's that vulnerability, right? And to have that, yeah. that kind of transparency where when you're emailing or whatever, you're CCing the other person in. I just think you need to do those kinds of things to just keep things accountable and to make sure you're always conscious of the other person. And um, Brian, I think the way you said that, like to be – that person when she's absent, um, the same person when she's present. Uh, you said it way better than I did, but um, <laughs> I just think that's really, really wise. So well done, you guys. That was very rich. Um, let's switch gears a little bit and tell me about the union. Tell me about, um, obviously, how you came to start it. You explained that already a little bit, but what are you guys all about? What do you do and, and what does it look like? Yeah. Um, so the union, we call it the union uh, from, actually it's, it feels like multitude of reasons, but one of the reasons is um, this desire to help people come to a place of wholeness, body, soul, spirit, this place of, um, of healing, truthfully, knowing that God has blessed them, body, soul, spirit, those are all important, and that this area of sexuality really does impact all those places. And so when we come to healing there, it'll impact all areas of our life. I really believe that. Wow. Um, and so we, we talk about this kind of like this ecosystem, this interconnectedness of all these topics of, of sexuality and of personal identity. And then, but then also how you, how you handle like emotional matters or, and then it can even the pain of maybe your family of origin and how that in, that comes into play in your future, in your marriage or in your, in your children's lives and in parenting, all those things. So it's kind of, it feels huge. Like, what do you guys talk about? It's like sexuality. Yes. But then all these things that are interconnected that, because that's who we are as people. So, um, so we have a website, theunionmovement.com, And on there um, we have, you know, blogs and 
um, some true stories of people who've gone through things and overcome and trying to share these messages of hope. We have a podcast and um, yeah, we have other guest writers who come and, you know, also share their inf their insights and uh, yeah. And so that's what we, we have this online resource. And then we also host events and want to uh, create opportunities for other people to learn to speak this language too. So it's not just, you know, this message that only a select few can it is an intimidating topic so we want to just mm -hmm. kind of start giving people language and opportunities to practice talking about it sharing their own stories but then also you know for leaders or pastors for them to be able to really feel confident to lead their community into these places of where shame is broken and people are healed and families are thriving um, because we believe the nation really is only as strong as the church which is only as strong as families within that church which is only as yeah. strong as the marriages and the right. and the men and women within the church so uh we believe that yeah we just carry a piece of god's heart for um for the restoration of nations yeah. truthfully yeah wow yeah. i love it so there's like a big picture to all of this but it starts very small doesn't it and it kind of the idea totally. is it trickles yeah, yeah. absolutely that's really absolutely. good what I think I would say our three core values are just truth, truth, hope, and destiny. That that really that God's design for sexuality, there is truth, there is a a, a horizon, there is a true north um, when it comes to to God's design for all of these areas, like Bonnie was talking about. Mm -hmm. But we do err very heavily on the side of, of restoration, like the, the hope of restoration. That when that design or when that boundary is crossed. Um, that, that God is the God of restoration. He turns all things around and he can give you a new start. He can give you yeah. a new beginning. It doesn't matter what your yesterday was, that the grace of God is sufficient to give you a fresh start um, at it, right in your now, right in your present day. And that every person has a destiny, no matter what their story, no matter what the, the circumstances of their birth or, you know, whatever they have, they have a purpose in Jesus. And so like, we just, um, we're just really passionate about it, man. So, Wow. That's so good. Um, what are you guys seeing right now? Like in the people that you are helping and that you're working with, where, like, I don't know, I guess I'm curious, like where are you seeing the most struggle um, and what seems to be the most effective? Like what are the kind of resources that seem to really be resonating with people and pushing them to kind of pursue purity and actually have some success in that area? Yeah, I would, um, I, I would say like, what we've seen the most and and one of the key values or the key dynamics that we want to keep within the union is the power of testimony because i think um you know we can get up and talk about sexuality you can crack the bible but it's just like sometimes people will it's, it's easy to separate the truth that they're hearing from their life like it like it's all kind of like hypothetical or it's all truth that only works in a vacuum or something like that but like we've wanted to create an opportunity for people to share their story of restoration that that they were in a very dark time and that cause, and, and God met them and, and it was able, they were able to walk out of all that pain and shame and guilt. Um, because I think that gives permission for other people, um, to, to have hope in their own lives that like, man, God, if God did that for that person and man, God could do that for me. And I, wow, I had that same story. I had that same thing and I've never told anybody about it my whole life. I didn't learn. And now that I've, I've heard what could happen when you kind of come into the light, with it and you allow the light to to purify and to wash all that stuff away it's like man that's um that's a game changer for for people so i feel like that's one of the most powerful things 
um, is just people being bold enough to, to step into the light, even with their R-rated testimony, you know what I mean, with um, some of the, the darker, heavier things of their life, um, because um, it just, yeah, it gives hope to everybody, so. Yeah. And then, you know, to answer that question you said of what seems to be a common theme of things people are struggling with, um, I'll maybe answer with, you know, something that happened this last early March, right before, um, you know, the 2020 uh, COVID experience happened, we were able actually to be at a conference down in Washington. And, and it was a conference all around this area of sexuality, purity, and, you know, we're having conversations about homosexuality and pornography and, um, you know, masturbation and, you know, just all the stuff. And then on the Saturday morning, we have this session where we talk about the wounds that have come from in childhood, hmm. the places of um, rejection mm -hmm. or abandonment from mothers and fathers. And this room is full of young people, you know, probably aged 18 to 30. And honestly, the response was so thick. There was such a hunger for healing and forgiveness for their families. Mm. And I, I just think we can't forget to connect those things. Mm -hmm. And so I would say when people start to see, this is not just about my sexuality. This is about my heart. This is about my identity, trying to find my identity as a son or daughter of God, because maybe my, my earthly mom or dad really hurt me. Um, then they find healing. And then suddenly the tem the temptation and the stronghold unravels it crumbles mm -hmm. and so that experience that that saturday morning was really eye-opening i was standing in the back of the room and just you know the call of like who's dealing with unforgiveness towards their fathers mm -hmm. and just like yeah the hands everywhere everyone yep that's it that's the key you know that wow. thing and then and then to hear people crying you know as they start to soften their hearts to their to the older generation Mm -hmm. you know, to try to walk in a place of honor and forgiveness. And then you can, you could, I could feel the healing presence of God in the room. And I think, oh, the heavenly father is so desiring to come close to us in our brokenness, in our shame, in our addictions mm -hmm. and come and just be like, I'll be your father. Like I'll fill up all that's lacking. So, um, I just love that. I love that he really gets down to the root of really what's going on. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, it never gets old hearing about the power of forgiveness. I think like you can't, you really can't underestimate how significant that is in someone's healing journey. I know even for me, that was a huge part of it was forgiving people from the past. And um, sometimes you don't even realize that, you know, that it's affecting the decisions you're making today until suddenly it gets exposed or you get an opportunity like those young people were getting at yeah. the conference. So I think that's, that's really, really powerful. Um, yeah. Guys, as we wrap up here, what, um, what would be your top tip for maybe somebody out there who's listening, who is struggling, uh, whether it's with one of the sexual issues that we've mentioned, or maybe there's just something else where they're kind of caught in a cycle and they know they need some extra help. Um, what, what would be your top advice to, to somebody who's in that kind of position? Yeah, I, th I think something we always, um, we always encourage people to do is to talk to somebody who you know loves you and and know and and who you know would have your back um because like i think as, as long as we live in the darkness as long as we live in this kind of secret life of um you know whether it's going through the addiction cycle again and again and just kind of staying trapped in that process um if you stay in the darkness things grow and they only get worse 
Um, but when the moment you step into the light and, and I think the, the biggest lie that people f feel is that like, man, if I am honest with this person, they're going to reject me. They're going to throw me to the wayside. And, and I think what we've found and what most people have found is that when you're all open and honest and humble to what's really going on in your heart and you, you disclose that you, you actually find acceptance. You actually find a warm embrace in somebody who's willing to, to not excuse your behavior, but it's not going to throw you to the wayside. And so I think that's, um, mm -hmm. I think that's probably the strongest thing is to, to come into the light. If it's, if it's, uh, um, you know, a leader in your life, if it's a, a close friend who, who, again, you know, would love you and protect you, um, you know, come into the light and, and disclose those things. Yeah, that's so good. Bonnie, what do you think? You got anything to add? I'm thinking top, top tip. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the first thing came to mind was the same as what Brian said was confession. Yeah. Um, it's just honestly so powerful. I mean, we just also mentioned forgiveness. So mm -hmm. in that way, it's like maybe the top tip is like be willing to go on a journey that is going to be painful. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, I think sometimes people have wounds that they have just covered and they've gotten infected. Yeah. And they're starting to manifest in other ways, in other places. Mm -hmm. And so to, in a way, confession is the unwrapping of that wound and letting air get to it, letting light get to it, letting, you know, people who are even in what Brian's saying, you know, a leader or a mentor or somebody who, somebody who can look at it and say, okay, I see what we're dealing with here. Here's a prescription of what some, some things we can do to bring healing. So, um, yeah, it's going to hurt for a while. Like if you're going to face these things, it's going to hurt, but the end result will be so much better. And you do not want to mm. be an 80 year old man or an 80 year old woman who's turned bitter and gangrene inside, <laughs> right? Mm. Like there is so much life and future ahead of you. Right. Um, if you will, if you'll unwrap those wounds. So. Wow. That's so good. Don't want to turn gangrene inside. That's a visual I'm not going to forget. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> That's amazing. So Guys, this has been so rich. Um, I know people are going to want to connect with you, find out more about you. Um, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, they can check out our website. It's at, at theunionmovement.com. Um, or they can send us an email at info at theunionmovement.com. Um, we're also on Instagram under the same handle at the union movement <laughs> and on Facebook as well. So, uh, yeah, you just look that up and, uh, we, we are there. So we'd love to connect with anybody. That's awesome. Well, Brian and Bonnie from the union movement. Thank you guys so much. This has been awesome. It's our pleasure, man. Thanks for having us. All right.